listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome into a special edition of the Red Seat Podcast. This is episode 225, a trade deadline reaction emergency podcast. I am Jake Devereaux. He is Keaton DeRocher. What's up, Keats? Hi, friends. So we got a deadline today. Uh, Red Sox made some transactions. Uh, that is good. Uh, so we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about our uh, reactions to these transactions. But overall... Uh, the Red Sox added three pieces at this trade deadline. They added left fielder Kyle Schwarber uh, in exchange for right-handed pitcher and prospect Aldo Ramirez, uh, a top 10 guy on the Sox Prospects pod. Uh, I mean, not the pod, SoxProspects.com site. Uh, pretty talented guy, guy I've seen. So, you know, definitely gave up some talent there, but got an all-star back. So hard to complain about that. Um, second move uh, was Hansel Robles, a right-handed pitcher, um, reliever to the Red Sox for right-handed pitcher Alex Scherf, uh, a guy who was ranked in the 50s on Sox prospects. And then the final piece was left-handed pitcher Austin Davis to the Red Sox for second baseman Michael Chavis, your guy. Um, and uh, Austin Davis... Uh, not such good numbers as we're going to talk about, but an interesting guy nonetheless. Um, what is your reaction to this trade deadline, Keaton? Did they do enough? Uh, no. Uh, I feel like it's a C plus. I think for me, they, I had three things on my I would like to see them get list. Number one was a starting pitcher. Number two was a high-leverage reliever uh, who doesn't walk people. And number three, a distant third, was the first pace piece. The offense is still really good. So I, I felt like whoever they had at first, the offense was still going to score a whole bunch of runs. So I didn't think it was as crucial as the other ones. I like the addition of Hansel Robles because uh, it is a guy with high-leverage relieving experience. So they can spell Matt Barnes from pitching three days in a row, which he's done um, at least twice uh, as I try and pull that off the top of my head. But Red Sox, particularly in recent history, have um, tended to overuse their top relievers, which I don't necessarily blame them for because in recent history, they haven't really had many options. So I kind of get it. But coming off of the, the lost or the you know, minor season uh, last year, I don't want guys to be overused and we want Matt Barnes to stay as healthy as possible for the playoff run. So um, to keep him like, I wouldn't be surprised if Robles gets like three, maybe four um, save opportunities down the road. If it's to, to keep Matt Barnes healthy. Cause that's the thing with the Red Sox with all these comeback victories, they play a lot of close games. And yeah. so he's going to get used, particularly with all the games that they have against guys, teams that they're fighting for the playoffs with uh, still on the calendar. So 
I like the move. The thing was, initially, I really liked it because I had the image of Hansel Robles in 2019 uh, with a sub-two walk per nine, converted 23 saves, struck out almost a, a little over a batter in inning. I opened his fan graph page and realized that he has just as bad walk issues as everybody else in the bullpen, and I'm not super psyched about that. Because in the playoffs, free passes generally turn into runs. The Red Sox bullpen has a really big issue with that. And then they didn't add a starter, uh, which was my, my number one biggest thing. So I, I really like the Schwarber edition. I'm all right with the <clears throat> Robles edition and no starter. I give it a C+. Plus. You know, I think those are all very valid points. And uh, just for the listeners to know, we didn't talk to each other about what we thought about this deadline uh, beforehand. And when I was thinking of grades in my head, Keaton, I also came up with a C plus, but for for different reasons than you. Uh, you know, we talked about it uh, last podcast that you know the thing that I wanted the most was a first baseman, uh, and they did not get a first baseman, um, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, as much as I like him and I see merit to adding him to this team, um, he's not a first baseman. He hasn't really ever played first base. It's not to say that he can't learn the position, um, but learning it in the middle of a pennant race is a little bit dicey. Um, you know, what, what What we wanted was a left-handed bat. Kyle Schwarber is a left-handed bat. Yeah. Um, that part's good. He's a left-handed bat with tons of power who absolutely mashes righties. Um, this year, he's batting 258 with 23 home runs and a 151 WRC plus uh, with a 653 slugging percentage uh, against right-handed pitching. He crushes righties. So if Schwarber, first of all, he's he's injured right now. That's the other piece with this. With no timetable to return. Well, there's sort of a timetable. The, the, the quote that I saw was they think he needs about two more weeks. Uh, to return, but it's a hamstring. So, like, hmm. in, in a way, you're right. It's it's a tricky thing. Um, he's an elite player in a, in a lot of ways. He's an all star. We saw the home run binge that he went on. He's still in his prime. He's 28. He's got a quick bat. Um, there's a lot to like about this. If he were a true first baseman, this deadline would be a coup for me. Um, but the fact that it's still just kind of not the smoothest fit and that you're going to have to figure out where to play him between some outfield, left field uh, in particular, some DH uh, in, in learning first base on the fly, or at least trying to, um, you know, that, that makes me less excited about it just because it doesn't seem like a natural fit. The other thing is like Anthony Rizzo didn't go for that much. You know, Aldo Ramirez was a, a substantial piece um, that, that Boston gave up for Kyle Schwarber. And I think Schwarber is a better bat than Anthony Rizzo at this point in their career. I, I don't think that that's really too much of a debate at this point. But Anthony Rizzo also is a plug-and-play, gold-glove type first baseman and gold-glove type, you know, uh, I, I, say, I almost said gold-glove type uh, clubhouse guy, but like an A-plus clubhouse <laughs> guy too. Um I would have preferred Anthony Rizzo even with the reduced offense than Kyle Schwarber. And and maybe they just didn't want to go where it would have taken to, to get him from from the Cubs. I was surprised when I saw that the Red Sox had made a deal with the Nationals, just like the quick hit on the, the push notification. I first thought Josh Bell mm, because yeah. I thought that would make a lot of sense. Left-handed first baseman with mm-hmm. pop. 
Uh, and then I saw it with Schwarber, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. I like it, but, I mean, you just outlined everything. He he has played uh, one pitch, I believe, Matt pulled up uh, on first base, and it was a wild pitch, so uh, <laughs> nothing. Uh, he was not involved in such play, uh, but he was there. Uh, I think you know, he came up as a catcher. Uh, I don't know if he played catcher at all in the minors uh, with the Cubs. He wasn't in the minors for all that long either. Um, so I think they drafted him and then immediately moved him off of catcher. But the fact that he was at least good enough to play catcher defensively in college, which isn't all that long ago, um, I think he can handle first base. And I think that's where they're going to go with him. I think so it's they said two weeks is what they're targeting if that ends up panning out and jaron duran is still struggling then maybe you see him in the outfield go for dugo renfro and schwaber and just kind of give duran a bit of a break work him mm-hmm. in there as that extra guy yeah um maybe that's the play i think the i guess the i guess silver lining if you want to call it that is that they've got time to figure it out because he's not healthy right now right <laughs> so whatever they want to do then they can figure it out and hopefully duran you kind of get things squared away um and then they can you know go with whatever direction they want but the offense is still going to score runs i mean the core those that one through five is is still really strong and going to score runs so I know there was a lot of people that wanted that first base bat, but I just I didn't think it was as much of a deal as the other pieces. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and to your uh, point about the catcher position, he has played 20 games in the majors uh, oh. at catcher, um, right. or 22 total. He played 20 games there in 2015, uh, one game there each in 2017 and 2019. Uh, in total, when he plays catcher, though, he bats 349 with a... Uh, 201 WRC plus. So he absolutely rakes when he's a catcher. Um, Interesting. With, with that being said, though, I mean, I think he, like, I agree with you. Catcher is a tough position. He played it at the major leagues. 22 games is not huge, but it's substantial enough to show me that if you can play left field and you can play catcher, I think you can learn first base. The only thing that yeah. worries me a little bit is the fact that, you know, he does have the hamstring uh, issue right now. Hamstring, as we've seen with Christian Arroyo, definitely something that you're going to need uh, to be healthy uh, to play first base. So uh, hopefully the coaches can work with him there. As for the relief pieces, uh, Hansel Robles, um, I think you covered it pretty well. I'm interested in the player. Fastball, uh, the split finger, which is potentially, it seems like that might be a split finger change uh, that he throws. Um, And then uh, the slider that he mixes in there. I do think he does provide a different look uh, out of the bullpen, so I like that. And I also like the price for acquiring him. I don't think that Alex Scherf is is too much to give up at all. I think that was great. Austin Davis is the one that's a little bit more of a head scratcher because when you look at him on the surface, you're like, okay, yeah, this is a career 565 ERA dude uh, who walks too many guys. Um, But our friend uh, Ian Kundal over at Sox Prospects had an interesting tweet about him. He said, Austin Davis's MLB stat line this year is skewed by one bad outing. If you take out his July 20th appearance versus Arizona – 
uh, 9.1 innings pitched, four hits, two uh, home runs, two earned runs, 11 Ks. Opponents are three for 25 in hitting 120, 195, 320 off his fastball this year. So, you know, a lefty with a fastball that clearly plays at the major league level, um, that is interesting. And we have seen in the past that Bloom has targeted relievers with specific traits that he likes. Um, and Michael Chavis at this point, you know, people had bandied about on Twitter that his trade value might be negative at this point. So if you can take a flyer on a, a reliever that could potentially help you at some point this down this stretch with, you know, you mentioned the, the load that the bullpen has already been carrying this year. You know, if he can shoulder any of that, I think that's more value than Michael Chavis was ever going to provide you. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, he was just becoming redundant anyway because they just keep acquiring guys with his skill set. So, well, his skill set but are better. <laughs> so, uh, it, yeah, it wasn't a great scenario. I mean, you you hit it on the head in the beginning of the season. You're like, if he does really well at AAA, they can flip him for something nice. Unfortunately, he didn't. And so I had to flip him for, for this. And that bit from Ian Cundell gives me a little bit of hope, but he also has – like 60 innings across three other seasons of also being very bad. Yeah. So <laughs> it doesn't give me a ton of hope. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely going to require work. Uh, Dave Bush has his hands, uh, I mean, his, uh, his hands full with this one. Um, we're recording this a little bit late, so sorry. I'm running on two hours of sleep with the newborn. Um, so my phrasing is probably not ideal. Um, but, you know, to, to talk about the – the roster from a larger point of view at this point, it is kind of interesting now. Um, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world, Keaton, if the Schwaber first base experiment doesn't work out and you need to play uh, Schwaber in left field and um, Verdugo in center field and uh, Renfro in right, and then Duran becomes a spark plug off the bench or somebody who you're playing every day in AAA, uh, at least until the end of the AAA season. And then he comes up and he's that bench piece for a playoff run. Um, He might just not be ready, but you know what? That guy could be an absolute speed weapon uh, off the bench and a defensive replacement late in games uh, for the playoffs. So, you know, I, I would be okay with that too. Any way you cut it, this uh, lineup is going to get better with Schwarber added to it in whichever way he's going to be added. Yes, sir. And I also I watched a movie where Billy Bean said learning first base was a piece of cake, so I trust him. Well, he said it was a piece of cake, and then he came back on it and said it's incredibly hard. Well, that was Ron Washington. <laughs> oh, that was Ron Washington. That's right. <laughs> um, in Bean, we trust. Yes, there we go. Um so anyhow, that's going to be where we cut this one short. Um, you know, it's just we wanted to give our initial reactions to this. Um, we're going to deep dive on more of the minutia uh, of the roster and the ramifications of guys like Christian Arroyo when he comes back. Where does Marvin Gonzalez fit when he gets healthy? He just uh, started a rehab assignment as well. Danny Santana and Arroyo are far off, but we'll talk about how they fit together. Um, how big the bench might be moving forward, um, all sorts of stuff like that. There's a lot to tackle. Um, so if you have questions for us, um, start getting them ready in your mind. Think about them. Send them in to us. We are going to be recording our main you know, hour-long podcast on Monday. Um, but this is just a little quick hit reaction. 
Uh, overall, Keaton, I want to end with one question before we get out of here, though. Um, did the Red Sox get better today than they were before the trade deadline, in your opinion? Yes. I agree. But Are let me they throw one back at you. Did everybody else around them in the standings get even better than the Red Sox did? Um... We can dive into that more on Monday. We can yeah, that's cliffhanger. That's a let's leave that as a cliffhanger. I think that that's a really <laughs> interesting thing to explore and something that I'm going to need to marinate on. I agree that they got the Red Sox got better, but I also think the Rays, Yankees, and Blue Jays got better. So it's going to be really interesting to talk about. We'll also break down the trades that were made in the division. Um, but overall, hey, it was nice for baseball to be relevant today uh, with what a maybe day. the most what a exciting. Week. Yeah, it's just an incredible trade deadline. That was great. We need yeah. more of that. It's been a while since we had a deadline like that, and boy, was it fun. Yeah, it was awesome. So uh, that's your cliffhanger. Um, this is your quick hit episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, give us a shout on Twitter. You can find Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can find me at at Jake. And uh, you can find the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. We appreciate you guys, and we'll be with you again on Monday. Monday.